Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Okay. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamar rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you for your love, we ask you for the actions that will gain your love, and we ask you for the love of those who you love, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Uh, we're continuing with our lessons on Risalat al-Mustarshideen, which is a book by Imam Muhasibi. Imam Muhasibi wrote this book as a spiritual guide. The, the gems that he gives us are just snippets into how to reform and better our relationship with Allah. And every class, mashallah, has been really, really eye-opening for us, inshallah. So we're going to continue right where we left off from, inshallah. What does he say next? Wa'alam. He says, you need to know, you need to understand. Wa'alam. Anna min sa'adatil mar'i husna ni'ati fi ma'indallah ta'ala wa tawfiqa li muhabahi wa man aradallahu bihi khair. We'll pick up from there in a minute. He says, no one understand that anna sa'adatil mar'a Mar, the, the, the sign that you are going to be successful. And by success, for us, the success, success is success in the sight of Allah. So he says, the sa'adatul mar, the sign that you will be successful, meaning you gain the pleasure of Allah, Allah is pleased with you, is number one. He says two things actually, two things. Number one, husnan fi Allah. You have a good intention in regards to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. What does that mean? That's very heavy. What is he trying to say? Whatever actions we're doing, whatever actions we're doing, our focus and our niyyah. What does niyyah mean? What, is it, what, is it, what does niyyah translate to? There's another word we've talked about in this halakha is a better translation for niyyah. Motivation. It's your motivation. Nia intention is your motivation. What's pushing you? What pushes you out of bed in the morning? What pushes you to work? If I ask you what's your Nia for work, you know really well what your Nia for work is. Leah, what is it? That's it, right? That's it. It's one Nia. There's no, it, we don't even have to think. It's the motivation. So our Nia or our intention, our motivation should constantly be what Allah has in store for us. What that means is this. A lot of times when we're, when we're, trying to motivate ourselves, we always, we sometimes look at the alternative, like things that can benefit us that are from the dunya. Like fasting, for example. Low key, we'll be like, yeah, but my caloric intake that day will be pretty low. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of there in the back. What he's trying to say here is no. Your focus should be, let me make sure that my primary motivation, my niya, my intention, my motivation is I want what God has for me through this action. That's all I'm looking for from this action. I'm going to say that one more time. All I want from this action is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for me from that action. I want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, li He says the second sign that a person is going to be successful in the sight of God is tawfiq li muhabihi. That this person is, uh, tawfiq comes from the word like muwafiq. It means when something is opened up for you, it's facilitated for you, it's 
They use the word enablement, like the doors open up. You know how sometimes you're trying to do something and you notice like the doors just keep opening up for you? Just, just next out of the next, boom, boom, boom. You put in the application, they hit you back, this, that, the, you had that day opening. Everything is just next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. In other circumstances, doors are just closing one after the next. Like you keep trying and doors are closed, doors are closed, doors are closed. So the word tawfiq, the simple way of understanding tawfiq is whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is opening doors towards a good goodness for you. And so what that means is you find yourself wanting and able to do things that please Allah. Let me give an example, practical example. It's, it's Isha time. You may be watching something and you could go pray salah in the masjid. That tawfiq is that you close that app and you dip out and you go to the masjid. You find yourself in the masjid, you say, Allah gave me tawfiq. That's how we use that Arabic term. Like it wasn't me, God gave me tawfiq to be here in that moment. Now the opposite of tawfiq is a word called khudlan in Arabic. And that means that you're, now this is heavy, you've been deprived. Deprived. That, that word is special to me because it shifts it. Going to Isha, praying in jama'ah, instead of sitting there binging on something, watching something, like if I miss that Isha, I'm... The word used to describe what I've missed out is khudlan, which means I've, I'm, I'm, um, what was the word I use? Deprived. Like I missed out on something. And, and wallah, this changes your perspective. Because in that moment, because last week we talked, well, two weeks ago, we talked about the ability to give preference to Allah over other things. So one of the things when you're in that crunch moment, right, you could either do this or you could do that. Now the way shaitan plays us is he's like, oh, it's okay to do this. Yo, bro, you could pray at home. You all good. You ain't even close to the masjid. Like the hukum doesn't apply to you. What you have to do in that moment is really think from the perspective of, do I want to miss out on what the opportunities are there? Once you shift it like, oh, I can't miss those gains. I can't miss those gains. We always talk about gains, where you can get gains at. When you start looking at that perspective, now you're like, oh, no, no, I, I got to be there. Instead of, oh, which one should I do? Right? Does that help? Like looking at it from the perspective of tawfiq, enablement, and the other is khudlan that you've been, um, what was the word for khudlan again? Deprived. Like you just got, you got deprived. It's not for you. You missed out. And notice what he says. He says, tawfiq li muhabihi. For the, those who know a little bit of Arabic, what does muhabihi refer to? What word do you hear there? Hub. So, Enablement for what God loves. Subhanallah, every single session we begin, we ask that dua, oh Allah, give me the love of what you love. And so he uses that same phrase, which is, oh Allah, give me tawfiq for whatever is, is, will gain the love of Allah. So two signs that a person is successful. Their niya switches from a worldly thing. What can I get out of this for myself? The niya switches to what Allah has for me. What is the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? وَتَوْفِيقْ لِمُحَابِهِ And the second thing is this person starts to have doors open up towards what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Everyone understand that one, inshallah? Let's go forward. وَمَنْ أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا Imam Muhasibi, he says, whoever Allah wishes to, wishes good for, وَهَبَ لَهُ الْأَقْلِ Allah gives this person a good intellect, a good intellect. Now, does this mean your SATs, your MCAT, all that's going to be good? No, it has nothing to do with that. This aql term is referring to you looking at the dunya from the perspective of the Prophet ﷺ. That's considered aql from the Quranic perspective, meaning you look at the world from the perspective of Allah, from the perspective of the Rasul, and you give preference accordingly. So the first sign that a person is, is Allah wants good for them is he gives them a sound intellect and that intellect is a prophetic understanding. And the second sign, this is heavy. Second sign. And then Allah makes knowledge of this religion beloved to this person. Makes knowledge beloved. I was talking about this on Monday. When you first convert, 
You want to learn everything you can about the Prophet Like you want to know every hadith. You want to know what, yo. I, and I told the brothers, I remember this brother converted. And after like two weeks, I walk into the masjid. And the first thing he runs up to me. And he's, I'm, I'm just a student. This is like, you know, seven, 18, uh, not 18, but 15 years ago. He runs up to me. And he's like, yo, Mikael, Mikael, you know what I just heard? I was like, what, what? He's like, if you say subhanallah wa bihamdi 33 times, do you know your sins are forgiven, everything, even if it's equal to the foam on the sea? Man, he was hyped. He was hyped. And a lot of us, when we got that first zeal to learn, man, we were learning all of these things. We were, oh, if you say this, this is the reward. If you do this, this is the reward. If you do that, this is the reward. Where's that zeal gone? Where's that zeal gone? Unfortunately, we want to learn all the like esoteric issues. What does Islam say on? That's what we consider knowledge today. What does Islam say on this topic? Where's the knowledge for practice? Where's the zeal to learn? Like, what's the reward? Who can tell me the reward for praying Fajr in your place, wherever you pray, sitting there until the sun rises and praying Turaka'a, who knows the reward of that? Hajj. You get the reward of a complete Hajj. Literally, you, Allahu Akbar, you prayed your Fajr, you stayed in that same place, 30 minutes later, the sun rose, you got up, you were playing, you were doing dhikr, you weren't on your phone scrolling or nothing, you were doing dhikr, and then when the sun rose, you prayed Turaka'a, the Prophet ﷺ said you get a reward of a Hajj. Like, where's the zeal for that knowledge? Where's the zeal for that? And that's what it feels like nowadays. It's all about what does Islam say about, and none of us are, have that desire to just learn, like, what is the reward? What will Allah give me for this? What will Allah give me for that? So on and so forth, right? And, and this, to me, is what the Sahaba, like, always wanted to know. This is what the Sahaba struggled. They were like, we got to learn this. This is what we, could, what we gain from the Prophet wasallam. So, what are the signs? He says, the first two. He says, Pay close attention. Because it's going to get, today's class, a little heavy. There's a lot of heavy stuff he's going to talk about, but let's do it. Whoever Allah wishes good for, the first two things are what? Number one, this person has a sound intellect. They start to look at the world from the prophetic perspective. Number two, they start to love knowledge. They start to love knowledge. They want to learn more. What's the reward for this? What does Allah love? What pleases Allah? They want to learn more. Number two. Number three. Now this is heavy. And Allah blesses this person with, I'm going to use a few synonyms here. You ready? Fear, worry, concern, and I'm going to use a big one, anxiety. What? Hold up. Allah blesses this person with fear, concern, anxiety? That doesn't make sense to me. Does anyone? Based on what we've learned in this class many times? There, there's a dua of the Prophet where he said, Oh Allah, la taj'al dunya akbara hammina. Oh Allah, do not make this world my biggest concern. My biggest concern. What we've learned in this class is that we're always going to have concerns or worries. When you're in high school, you're worried about what I'm going to wear tomorrow. You know what I mean? When you're in college, you're worried about this. When you, as life goes on, worries change. There's always some level of worries there. But what we talked about two weeks ago, actually, was when you make your, your akhirah or your relationship with Allah, your primary worry, those other worries immediately drop down. Those other worries immediately drop down. You remember how I was telling you, like, like if you can't, you can't have pain in two places at one time, something's hurting over here. You know what I mean, what I'm talking about? So similarly, what we were saying here is that the meaning of the author is this. When Allah gives you fear about and concern about the akhirah, this takes away from your concern about the dunya and these lower worries. But when you don't worry about Allah, when you're not worried about your relationship with Allah, then all of a sudden you'll find yourself flooded with worries that all have to do with this mundane, trivial, low, this world here. And so when he says the third thing that Allah gives a person, intelligence, knowledge, and fear, worry, concern, what he's trying to say is 
all of a sudden you start to be concerned with your affair of the akhirah. What will my life be when I'm out? And, and I, hope, I hope this connects with you. There's times where I'm just driving, right? Like it's just in between places. And you get this one moment of clairvoyance where you're just for one like 30 seconds, you're kind of like, dang, is Allah happy with me, yo? That moment, does anyone feel what I'm saying? No. That one moment where you're like, yo, what's going to happen to me? That moment right there, when that becomes your bigger worry regularly, then you start to focus on that relationship with Allah. And when that relationship becomes your primary focus, now those other things don't become so big in life. So what does he say here? He says, وَحَبَاهُ بِالْإِشْفَاقِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then bless this person with, not anxiety, I think anxiety is too, it's such a triggered word. So we're going to translate that as concern or worry or even fear. But I need you to understand that life always has things that we're concerned about. It's about you directing your concern towards the things that Allah wants you to be concerned about. And what I'm trying to explain to you is the reason Allah wants you to be concerned with that is to alleviate the pressure from all those small worries. Otherwise, everything else is going to consume you and you're going to constantly be worried about all of these other things. So this is what he says the third sign is. وَحَبَاهُ بِالْإِشْفَاقِ um, God blesses this person with worry, concern, and this fear. And then Allah uses this person gently. Gently. The word in Arabic is rifq. Now, if you look at the hadith of the Rasul, the words of the Prophet teach us multiple times he's used this word rifq. The word rifq means to be gentle. There's a hadith where the Prophet said, that Allah will give you things through gentleness that you can never get through harshness, through trying to force things. Now, I, I want us to understand, the prophet wasn't soft. The prophet wasn't soft. Like a lot of people, when we start to talk about gentleness and forgiveness and these qualities, and I want to speak to the brothers here for a moment. The prophet was gentle but hard. The prophet was gentle, but firm. You feel what I'm saying? Like, let me give you an example. Let <laughs> example. Like, there's moments, oh man, can I code switch a bit? Is code switch okay? Okay. Uh, there was moments where he was G. Like, really, like, for real. No, for real. Like, there's one um, Bedouin who comes up to him, and he grabs the reins of the, of the camel, now, you don't grab a man's reins of his beast. That's like, that's like someone coming up grabbing your steering wheel. You're like, yo, yo, homie, what you doing? In Texas. Okay, sorry. Yo, this is funny. Can I tell you, like, can we digress for a moment? So I'm leaving the masjid last night for Isha, okay? Okay, sorry I do this. For those who just came first time, uh, this is me, okay, whatever. I'm leaving the masjid last night. Wallahi, what I'm telling you is 100% true, okay? I'm leaving the masjid. And I hear two kids, young men, arguing. They're clearly brother and sister, brother, uh, brothers, older and younger. And they're clearly from a certain Arab country, <laughs> okay, <laughs> by the Amiya that they spoke. And the younger brother is speaking gently to the older. This has nothing to do with what I'm teaching, but I just remembered it. Okay. So if you're looking for the connection, there is no connection. Okay. So the younger brother, because I mentioned Texas, the younger brother he goes, he's like, la, la, you can't do that, la, la, right? And they're going back and forth. And the older brother, he goes, nah, what are you talking about? He says some amir. And then he goes, man, we shoot first, then we ask questions. This is Texas. <laughs> and I'm like, Habibi, what are you doing? He literally says the words. We... <laughs> you know where he was from? It's your people's, right? <laughs> So subhanAllah, I was just remembering coming out of the masjid. So the point is rifq and gentleness. Was the prophet hard? Was he soft? The prophet was gentle but hard. The, so this man comes up to the prophet, he grabs his, his reins, like grabbing someone's steering wheel, okay? And that's why I remember this, this guy who said, you shoot first and then ask questions later. Coming out of the masjid. Thank you. It was Richardson Masjid, by the way. It was Richardson Masjid, by the way. So anyways, so... This person grabs the reins of the horse. And then he starts to make demands from the Prophet 
he, he starts to make demands for money and for things. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he says to him, he says to those around him, give this man what he wants. But the moment he then says, give him what he wants, he says very sternly, da'naqati, get off my camel now. And when I read the hadith, it always gave me chills. You know, like those, those scenes in the movies where someone is just like really tough and strong and it makes you feel like, yeah, that's what's up. For me, that was the moment where the prophet, he handled him gently, but then he was very straightforward. He said, get off my camel, get off my car. The reason I'm saying this is because we need to find this balance as men, as young Muslim men. We need to find this balance where he was gentle with everyone he interacted with. He played with children. You know, he was gentle with even the roughest people of his community, right? But that doesn't mean he was soft. And, and, I, and I think at one more example, I'll give you one more example. Can I give one more example? When Umar ibn Khattab, y'all know this story. When Umar came to the Prophet ﷺ to accept Islam, they thought he was coming for beef. They thought he had beef. And he had his sword with him. And inside the house is Hamza and a whole bunch of other people. They see him coming. And they're like, yo, Umar's coming with his sword. Hamza's like, oh, I'll kill him. I'll kill him with his own sword. Hamza was in him like, yeah, right? So the Prophet ﷺ, he says, let him in. When he says, let him in, he tells everyone, sit down. He stands up. And the hadith says he grabs him by his collar. Okay? Like literally. And then he shakes him a little. We call it manhandle. <laughs> I mean, he sh shakes him a little and he says, when are you going to become Muslim? What's taking you so long? And you know how like, it's hard to explain, but sometimes you deal with your sibling or someone and sometimes you're just like, yo, come on, wake up. What's going on? And then he's like, he's like, no, no, I'm here for this. I'm here for that. Now I ask you a question. When in your life have you ever heard of the Prophet ever in any other circumstance grabbing somebody from the collar and shaking them and saying, become Muslim? Never. He interacted that way with Umar because that was Umar's love language. He understood how to talk to him. What I'm trying to show you is that the Prophet emphasized gentleness in everything. In another hadith, he said, listen closely, brothers. He said, never is there gentleness in anything except that it makes it more beautiful. And never is there harshness in anything except that it makes it more ugly. We need this back in our families too. Just because you know someone for the last 20 years doesn't mean you have to be harsh with them. I don't know, I don't know where this came from. This thinking that, oh, I know you for the last 20 years so I could just say stuff to you coarsely. No. The Prophet spoke gently, even to people he knew his whole life. So the idea is you can get way more done and you can get way more accomplished when you adapt this prophetic quality of gentleness. Does that mean be soft, brothers? No, not at all. It doesn't mean that, but it just means not using force, being gentle, not pushing too hard. This is the way that the Prophet interacted with everyone that he, he interacted with, and that didn't make him soft. That didn't make him soft. So what are these three things? The first thing, he says, Man arad Allahu bihi khair. Man arad Allahu bihi khair. Whoever Allah wishes good, he gives them intellect, meaning he looks at the world from a prophetic perspective. Number two, this person loves knowledge, not what does Islam say about. They love knowledge that Islam teaches. What is the reward for this? How can I please Allah? They love that knowledge. Number three, what was number three? He, what was number three? Fear. What's the better word for fear? Concern. Your primary concern becomes my relationship with Allah. Number four, gentleness. Allah blesses this person with gentleness. You know another thing, can, I, can we go a little deep here? What is, our, what is a rafiq in Arabic? Anyone, anyone, a rafiq. A friend, yes. Isn't it interesting that the word rifq and rafiq have the same, like, I could chill with a gentle person. I could chill all day with a gentle person. But when someone is harsh, Allah says about the, to the Prophet, if you were harsh and you were staunch in your speech, everyone would flee from around you. So if you find people fleeing from you, you, you need to step back and look, wait, what's up with me? The word rafiq and rift come from the same root word. Because I could chill all day with a gentle person. 
I could chill all day with a gentle person. And I think that's for something for all of us to reflect upon. We, we, we forget that. Allah enables this person to have in all of their affairs a gentleness. I think a sign of when we're young, and I'm speaking for the, the men specifically, when we're young, we're very like, like we rush into everything. You know, I just got to hurry up and do this. Like my little, little Qasim, man, he's just running around the house. Got to do this, got to do that. Right? But as you mature spiritually, you realize like, you can take your time and we'll be there. Things will be good. And so I think that's a sign of spiritual maturity when you adopt rifq in everything that you're uh, interacting with. Your boss at work, your co-workers, your wife, your children, everybody, you adopt rifq. Um, and, and I think it's just... Um, there was one hadith I read about this, and I think this is deep, th that where the Prophet Sallallahu said that the one who is, the one who has rifq on my ummah, Allah will have rifq on them. This is heavy. Whoever has rifq ala ummati, the Prophet said, whoever has gentleness with my ummah, Allah will have gentleness on this person. I just think it's such a beautiful thing for us to reflect upon, right, in the community. So that's number four. Let's go to the next one, number five. And we're going to talk about this more, so I'm just going to translate it. He says, and then Allah enriches this person with contentment. And I'm going to talk a bit more about contentment today because we just touched the iceberg of it. So he makes this person rich. The word ghani in Arabic, we normally translate it as rich. But to understand today's lesson, the best way to translate ghani means I don't need anything. I'm good. When somebody's got, got money, they just, they're all the time, I'm good. I'm good. Yo, you need this? I'm good. I'm good. The meaning of, of ghani is I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm without need. So the, he says that the fifth sign that Allah wants good for a person is that he makes him without need through his contentment. Through his contentment. He's not, he's not sitting on stacks. I mean, a lot of money. He's not sitting on a lot of money. That's not where his contentment came from. His, his uh, with lack of need came from. Her lack of need came from the fact that I'm good. I'm okay. We're going to talk about that in more detail in a little bit. Number six, and this is the biggest one. The sixth sign that Allah wants good for you is that he shows you your faults. He shows you your faults. That's why I love haters, yo. Low key, low key, don't be a hater. And don't use this to justify your hate. If you're if you're one of your boys is sitting in here, you're like, I'm hating on you for your good, brother. No, nah, no. Nah. Don't be a hater. But you gotta love people. A hater, you know why a hater is good? Because they're gonna call you out on stuff. And a lot of times the stuff they call you out, there may be some truth there and you can fix that thing. And so he says that the sixth sign is that Allah makes you aware of your faults. Remember now, we're not concerned with what society thinks are faults. <laughs> Who cares about those? I, I could care less what you think is a fault. What I'm concerned about is what is considered a fault in the sight of God, in the sight of my community. Those are the things I want to be aware of. Now, if you're a true friend to me, you're not going to let me walk around all day with something in my beard. You're not going to let me all day just walk around like, ha, ha. No, you're going to let me know. You're going to be like, yo, you need a Tic Tac, bro. No, that ain't funny. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? For real. You're going to let me know what's up. That's what a true friend is going to do. Why? Because that's going to save me so much humiliation for the next tw two hours, three hours I was at work. You hooked me up. Thank you very much. So the, the, the beauty of this, I think, is all of us should appreciate when we become aware of our spiritual and religious um, deficiencies or where we're not complete and that gives us the ability to uh, rectify if you are surrounded by yes men I feel bad for you if you are surrounded by yes men I don't want to be you because everyone's just gonna be like yeah sure shake yeah 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 uh-uh you don't want to be surrounded by yes men and you don't want to surround yourself with yes men you want to surround yourself with people who are going to call you out. And that's what Umar ibn Khattab, when he became Khalifa, 
he said to the other Sahaba, he's like, I'll take this position, but what are you going to do for me? They said, if we see you slip up, we're going to call you right away, call you out. He said, okay, I'll do this job then. Now, can we be real though? It sounds good. Can we be real? How many of us can really handle it when someone calls us out, yo? Or you ain't going to talk to that person for the next two months. Passive aggressive, all angry and stuff. Hi, how are you? Long time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Passive aggressive, low key, hot. How many of us can really take that? You feel me? I think we really need to look inside. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people do it the wrong way. Cool. They need to come and sit in the EQ class. We got them. But I'm worried about my ability to take correction from people. All right? My ability. So let's go forward. Bismillah. Okay. So. All right. Let's go. So what are the six things? Uh, intellect. Loves to learn about knowledge. Number three. Fear. Number four. Gentle. Number five. Contentment. And that's it. There's one more. False, what we just did right now. These are six signs that Allah wishes good for you. You are content with what you got. You are aware of your faults. You start to know about them so you can fix them. You have fear and worry for Allah. My relationship with Allah, I'm worried about it. I want to keep it good so it's always on my mind. Then the next thing, I want to learn more about the deen. I'm gentle in everything I do. And these are the things. These are the things that are a good sign for our iman. All right, let's go forward. He says, know and understand. Wa'alam rahimakumullah. He says, know and understand that truthfulness and sincerity are the foundation of every state. Okay, here we go. For all of y'all who come regularly, you know I try to take us to a deeper understanding of Islamic spirituality. So there's layers to these things, right? So that we can understand the ideology of Islamic spirituality. So here we go with that said. Patience, um, contentment, um, being pleased with what Allah has written for you, um, being comfortable, having certainty. All of these things are different states, okay? Different states, spiritual states. Fear, for example, is a state. Hope, for example, is a state. Are y'all with me still? All of these are different states, okay? Now, before I go forward, you need to understand this. There are times in life where you may be feeling higher in one state and lower in another state, right? For example, they say when you're young, should you have more fear or more hope? Fear or hope? I know it's kind of iffy. Generally, they say when you're young, because your desires are so strong, you need more fear, right? But when you're older and you start to like, then you need more hope because I can't do as much. So I need to be hopeful. What I'm trying to show you is, isn't fear and hope both necessary parts of your faith? But you need them in different like, amounts to help you to, uh, progress spiritually. So listen to what he says here. He goes, look, the foundation of every state spiritually, suburb, patience, certainty, all of these states, the foundation is two qualities, two qualities. Truthfulness, number one, siddiq is the word. And number two, ikhlas, sincerity. These are the two foundational things. If these things are present, everything grows from them. So he says, From truthfulness comes patience, contentment, asceticism, pleasure with God, being close with God. And from, uh, from sincerity comes yaqeen or certainty, fear, love. Haya, shame before God, and to um, have awe of God, ta'zim. All of these things come from what two basic things? Repeat them to me, please. Truthfulness and sincerity. Siddiq and ikhlas. Now watch what he says here. He says, now here we go. I'm going to break down three signs of all of these aspects. Here are three signs that you are a truthful person. Are you truthful? Here are three things you can test yourself. Number one, he goes, فَصِدِقْ فِي ثَلَاثَةِ أَشْيَا Siddiq will be in three ways. Right now, honestly, because the book is coming towards the end, I kind of feel like he's giving a beautiful summary to a lot of the things that we've learned, actually. 
It's really beautiful how he's summarizing all of them and bringing together. So he says, Siddiq, meaning to be truthful, is in three areas. Number one, Siddiqul Qalb bil Iman Tahqiqan. Truth in your heart about your faith. True in my heart. I believe in Allah. I believe in the Prophet. So the first type of truth is truth in the heart regarding your faith. Number two, truth in your intentions in the actions you do. What does that mean? You did the action, but were you true to yourself about why you did the action? That's the second level of truth. And number three, I mean, we all know this level. Asidik fil kalam, truthfulness in speech. So three levels of, of truthfulness that you need to always question yourself. Do you know the two that we always get stuck up on? Number two and the first one. Number two is the biggest one. We do stuff, but then we have all these other motives underneath and we're not true about why we did it. So you always have to be true about the intention behind or the motivator behind the action. These are the three places you need to have truthfulness in. Sabr. He says there's three things you have to have sabr in. Sabr means what? Patience is such a, a lackluster word for the meaning of sabr. You know the best, I was thinking about this this week too, again. You know what I think the best translation for sabr is? Control almost. It's, it's like this ability. So let's look at the three places. He says, sabr fi thalathati ashya. There are three areas that you need to have sabr in. La maharim. Control from whatever is haram. You see something, you want to go somewhere, but you can control yourself. Right there, right? You can control. That's called sabr. Now the word patience doesn't fit that scenario. Control fits it perfect. Then the next one, he says, sabr ala ittiba' al-amrillah. To be... Sabr on the things you're supposed to do. So to, help me out here, please. So to keep yourself doing what God wants, to hold yourself on to the thing that God wants from you, right? And so one is the, the haram, I got to hold myself from haram. The other is I'm supposed to do something, but every day is a struggle. That's sabr right there. Every day you wake up and you choose to do it again, you're holding on. You're Discipline, Discipline perfect. Discipline. Oh, excellent. So the translation of sabr is what? Yo, this is learning. Yo, this is heavy for us. Sabr is what? Control. Sabr is discipline. And number three, was sabr in del masaib. Now this is patience. To be patient at the time of a calamity when it hits. Right? Forbearance, patience, to hold yourself when the calamity hits. These are the three areas that he says we have to have sabr in. Let's go to the next one. And this is probably the last one we'll do because I think it's really deep. We come back to the concept of contentment. We come back to the concept of contentment. Hey, then, can I get some of that water real? You ain't sick, are you? Yeah, it's like a Bismillah. Okay, al-qana'a, contentment. We've talked about this so much, but he gives us such a deep perspective today that I think all of us will be like, oh my God, it's so deep. Al-qana'a tu fi thalathati asha. You have to have contentment in three ways or three scenarios. Listen closely so we can talk about them. Number one, when you have having little food after you have a lot of it, after you have a lot. So you got tons of food, you got tons of stuff, but you're still restraining. You're still like not having a lot of it. Okay? I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Let's go to the next one. And to protect yourself from showing need. Oh, I need, I need, I need. When you don't have or don't see the means in front of you. And last one is sukun ila awqatillah. To have tranquility, waiting for the time of God for that thing to come. Okay, let's talk about it. This is heavy. Okay, so here we go. So normally, we talk about being content when we're stuck in a situation and we can't get more. 
No, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me say that again. We talk about contentment. I got this gig. This is the gig I got. I'm only making X amount of figures. I guess I got to be content. The moment the boss is like, you, yo, there's a position open. I think you would. You'd be like, yeah, 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 I'm on it, yo. I'm on it. Okay, hold up. This is where it gets heavy. According to him, you weren't truly content content at that other spot. Real talk, yo. You weren't content where you were before because the moment something else opened up, you jumped on it right away. So were you actually content? Now, you were just being patient. And that's good, yo. Props to you. Big ups. Big ups. Props to you. You were patient with what you had. But were you content? You know what content is? Content is where somebody's like, yo, there's more. Do you want some? You're like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need any more. I don't want any more. I can't. It's like when you go to Adam's house, they keep feeding you, man. <laughs> There's a point where, where you kind of like, yo, I'm legit full, yo. I'm legit don't want no more. You could bring a whole new table with new food. I'm not going to move because I'm actually content. But when I'm faking like I'm content, you bring out some new food. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so what does he say here? This is heavy to me. He goes, Kana'a, number one is after having abundance, still only taking a little from that. I was like, oh my God, that's heavy. The next one is when there's nothing to don't show any need. That's kana'a. You know, okay, let's be real. Like this class, you have to be real. When you're looking for something, you may not say it, but you give the body language of the need for it or the low-key signs that you need it. No? You don't feel me, Asad? When you don't have something, it's not there. It's not present. Then we all know that our culture, you don't sit there and just be like, yo, man, I'm broke. Anybody got some money? We don't do that. It's not our culture. You wouldn't do that. But you will send signals. Like, yeah, man, it's been rough, yo. Oh, yo, you need something? No, no, I'm good. Yo, you sure? Okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like that. What I'm trying to, what he's saying here is, wasiyana tul fakr. You protect yourself from showing any need when you have nothing or even worse, when you don't see any means to something coming. Okay, let's try this again. I need, I need like a practical example, yo. Huh? Yeah, literally, literally, perfect example. What, what we're trying to show here is the sign of true contentment, sister. That example is great because the sign of true contentment is when I don't have, I don't show any signs of need. Huh? Okay. <laughs> yo, we believe you, sister. It's all good, yo. It's all good. There's no, no judge zone here. It's a safe space, yo. It's a safe space. Thank you for, for, for putting that out there to help us understand this in, in a deeper way. Right? You get what I'm trying to say? I think this is a beautiful point. Now, I want to add something, though. Hold up. Hold up, please. The prophet, this is well known. And y'all going to be like, oh, yeah. When the prophet would come home sometimes, he would ask his wives, he would ask, is there any food? And what would he do based on the response? Or... Or not fast. So, so let me break it down. He'd come home after praying Ishraq in the morning, Fajr in the masjid. Then he prayed Ishraq. So it's like 7, 7.30 in the morning. He comes home and he's like, oh, it's breakfast time. Then he would be like, is there any food? And if his wife was like, no, we ain't got no food today. He'd be like, all right, I'm fasting today. Right? I'm fasting today. And if she had food, he'd be like, all right, I'm grubbing today. So does that contradict what we're talking about here? Because I was talking about kana'a. Kana'a being when more comes, you're like, I'm good. And I, I don't think they're connected. I think they're two separate things. I think that the prophet is, has kana'a or contentment with whichever way it turns out. And so whatever the circumstances is, he's going to take that and he's completely fine. What Muhasabi is saying is that if you 
were to take more when more comes, it's not bad. It just shows you weren't on it. You had, there's another word he's going to use, but it wasn't on it. You were pleased. Here we go. I love this. I love this. Y'all ready? Right, if you need a break, go get, get some water or something. I ain't going nowhere. All right, we chilling. Okay. Listen, hear me out. There's a word called ridha. Radiallahu anhu wa radu'an. Ar-ridha. What does ridha mean? Being pleased. I'm pleased. If, there's, if I eat breakfast today or fast, I'm pleased. Don't matter. I'm pleased with whatever comes to me. The job, they offer me 40, 50, 60, 70. I, I'm pleased. I'm okay. I made myself pleased with that. Ridha. Qana'a is different. Qana'a is, I don't even want no more. This is enough. I'm good. Yeah, see the difference? The please is, I'm good with whatever you gave me. But I can be pleased with more. Right? So if the boss did say, yo, are you, if someone came up to you and was like, yo, are you happy with what you make right now? And you're like, yeah, I'm happy with it. Will you take more? You're like, yeah, I'll be happy with that too. That's cool. Because you have ridha'ah. You feel me? But the other quality, it's a different word in Arabic, and I've always struggled to understand the difference. And this is what he's breaking down right now. He goes, qana'a is when you actually don't want more, even if it was to arrive, even if it was to come. You feel me? I think some of y'all got me. Let me read a little bit more. Oh, there's one more he said here. Number three, and this affects all of us. He says, the third sign of qana'a is that you have sukun. What does sukun mean? Calm, peace. Until, he says, the time of God. Okay. I think this most adequately fits for waiting to marry. And I never normally talk about this topic straight up, so I don't care. Why not? Right? Um, like that clock seems like it's slow. That marriage clock on both sides of the aisle, that joint feel like it's going like slow. And the worst thing you can do is not be patient because the moment you don't show patience, it's right after that that the opening comes and you feel so foolish. I'm going to say it again. Whatever is written for you is coming. You can't miss it. I'm going to say that again. Whatever is written for you is your rizq. Do you know rizq is not just food? <laughs> rizq is everything you enjoy in life. Agreed? Are you with me? But the moment you become hasty and seek it from haram, it's going to come. And then a few months after, you'll see where it was going to come halal, but you, you failed that test. It was already coming. You just had to wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. You, yo, you ever drive somewhere you've never been before and it takes forever, but when you drive back, it's shorter? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, for real, for real. Everyone knows what I'm talking about, right? Right? Because it's unexpected, because the whole thing is because you don't know, it feels longer. It feels, I'm going to connect this. Because you don't know, it's the same distance. Because you don't know, it feels longer psychologically. But it's not really longer. It's because of the before each turn is unknowns. So it feels longer. I need you to apply that to other things in life. Because once you get to the destination, you're like, oh man, that was right around the corner. That down only take like 10 minutes. Man, it felt like it took forever. No, nah, man, it's just because you didn't know. But it was right there. Oh, but Mikael, how do I know? What? God has promised you that your risk is written. And you won't die before you get it. You can't even rush it. He uses the word God's time. <laughs> like, what more do you be, need to be told? It's Allah's time and you just got to wait until that thing comes. I had no idea. From I can't, man. I exposed too much, so whatever. <laughs> my, my wifey was dropped on me like an angel, man. Alhamdulillah. I had no idea where it was coming from, man. I'm a convert studying dean. I'm like 20, whatever years old. I don't know nobody in the community. Angel just came. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Never expect. So just, you have to be, you have to have tranquility while you wait for 
the time of Allah. Now, some of us are married. It doesn't even apply. It's other areas of life. It's other areas of life. But I feel like that's one that we don't talk about and we're all struggling and it's kind of like the elephant in the room. It's like, so talk about that. So yes, just be, have qana'a, being tranquil, being tranquil, being tranquil until, subhanAllah, until that blessing comes. Until that blessing comes. So what does he say here? So what does contentment truly mean? It's, it's when you still take little when there is still more that is available, that means you're content. Like when uh, the Amu puts all the food out and you only take a little, that's because you're content. Apply that to other areas of life. Number two, when you have little, when you have little to not show, eh, need another laptop. You know what I mean? It's loading very slow, right? That was a good one, by the way. And number three, the sign of Qana'a is that you allow yourself to be calm. Yo, the test will come and go and you're going to pass or fail. What do I mean? You, whatever you're waiting for will come. And you'll look back at today and be like, oh, I remember those days. Right? It'll come. But you were either patient during it or you weren't. So, and you only get one really chance at that test because then it's done. So sukun, being tranquil for the time of God and when the time of God comes, so he says you're waiting for the time of God to alleviate or remove what hulul al-faqah means like the difficulty is with you. So while that difficulty is with you, like you don't have the job, you don't have the spouse, you don't have whatever, you're calm during that time knowing you're on the clock, you're on God's time. Okay? وَلِلْقَنَعَةِ he goes, here we go, I'm almost done. He says, contentment has a beginning and an end. Okay, so this is pretty deep. So listen, we talk about these terms like sabr, okay? When you start studying Ghazali and Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, what you realize is there, there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of all of these terms. What do I mean? So like, uh, I mean anything, everyone understands a spectrum. Sabr isn't one point on a, on a thing. There's a spectrum of sabr. So like there's a beginning of sabr and there's an end of sabr, right? Or contentment. There's a beginning of contentment. All of the qualities, there's shukr, shukr. What does shukr mean? Gratitude. There's a, there's a spectrum of, of, of gratitude. Okay, cool. So what he says here is he says qana'a has a beginning and an end. There's a spectrum of it. فَأَوَّلُهُ Here's the beginning. And I said this already so it can be a little redundant. He says the beginning of this spectrum of contentment is you don't take more even though there's more available. That means you're good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, this is heavy. This is going to apply to so much, but subhanAllah. So you feel me, Asad, the first? Okay, next, then what he says, Okay. Okay. The last stage of qana'a, like the highest level, highest level, like you're there, you did it, like the goat, you're there. The highest level of qana'a, he says, you wujudul ghina, you show no need, not even show, you have no need, despite there being no uh, means to the thing that you have, uh, want, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. What's the end of it? You show wujud al ghina. You show no need. I'm good. Just take the word, I'm good. I'm good, even though there are no signs of where it's going to come from. That's the last sign of, of qana'a, contentment. A little bit more, we're almost done. Oh, he says, From this, now you can understand. Sister Lima, check this. Al qana'a a'la min al rada. He says, from this you can understand that qana'a is above rida. Translate time, Mikael. Contentment is above being pleased. Are you pleased with me as a husband? I asked my wife. She says, I am pleased with you. Are you content with me? Now, it means if there was something else available. <laughs> see, 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 now you get it. 
Ridha'a means if something better was there, I'm going to grab that. Yes, I'm pleased now, but I'll grab that. Qana'a means I'm good. That too, for sure. But even if there was something more or better, I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't want it. And and again, this is that rada versus qana'a. Please versus content. Feel me? (laughs) MashaAllah. It's just, I'm almost done, yo. Yo, we doing we doing qada for last week, yo. We making up for last week. Okay. Okay. He says, because a person who's just pleased, He says, the pleased is not impacted by more or less. Please stick with me. The pleased person, what did I say? I make 40 grand. Okay, 40 grand. Are you pleased with it? Yes. 80 grand. Are you pleased with it? Yes. So the pleased person isn't affected by mana or ata'a, being given or not being given. If a person who has a quality of a person who has a quality of rabah, whether you give them or not, they're like, I'm, thank you. I'm happy with it. He says, but the qana'a is ghani bi rabbihi. The, the, the qanit, the content person is like, I'm good with my Lord. I'm good. I don't want more. I don't want more. La yuhibbu ziyada ma'ahu. This person does not want more with what they have. With what they have. You know, I think when people get really wealthy, they look back at the days when, Wallahu alam, I don't know. I ain't never been really wealthy, so how would I know? <laughs> I'm just talking, right? No, so do you get the difference? To me, this was so deep. Uh oh. Yes, sister. That's heavy. You're deep. That's my wife, y'all. That's my wife. <laughs> just so you just uh, kill, kill us. That's my wifey, okay? <laughs> All right. No, I feel you. No, I feel you. I feel you on that. She basically was like, one more time. Oh, the accountability part. I love that. Which was like, the more you get, the more I'm accountable for. So if this is enough for me, I'm good. I think, and what I was trying to say is like, there's this curve of thing of like contentment in life, this curve thing, right? And I think there's a point where you realize like, I'm, I'm good. And more won't be more. More will actually be less. I'm not trying to water this down. I actually think a lot of us use the terms inter- interchangeably. But now on today's class, we went deeper and understood these are two different words. And I, the best example is what I said. I asked my wife, are you pleased with me? She's like, yeah, I'm pleased. Right? Would you be pleased if I made 100000 more? Yeah, I'd be pleased then too. Oh, okay, so you're pleased with whatever comes or whatever doesn't come. Yeah, that's a beautiful quality. Let's not, under, let's not look down at that, everyone. You feel me? But qana'a is at a different level. Qana'a, the level of qana'a or contentment is... I'm good. I don't want more. I said, you're not feeling it yet. So, like, for me, like, contentment is also considered to, like, no matter what Allah gives me, I'm good, right? So, so you're using them interchangeably. That's all. Yes, you're using those terms interchangeably. Rada and qana'a. That's what I'm trying to teach today, which is he's telling us they're actually two different terms. They sound very similar. We use them interchangeably. Contentment. But he's like, No. Pleased and contentment, two different things. Pleased, you are not affected by more coming. If more comes, you're happy. Less comes, you're happy. Contentment, I don't want more. Don't give me more. Like when the Amu brings food. You literally don't want more. You're like, yo, stop. I don't want it. Yes. I... Yeah, I mean, I, I think when the... Okay, the question was, She's basically saying, aren't we supposed to take all the blessings that come from Allah when they come? Yes and no. Um, I think for the most part, yes. When any new blessing comes, a raise, all that, it would come. You take it. You can't reject it. 
because it's from Allah. But that doesn't, that does not, that does not change my state psychologically and spiritually of mind before that blessing came. No, please hear me out again. The, before the boss walked in my office, I don't want to raise because you're going to give me more things. I'm going to have to do this. I'm gonna, you're going to lose my weekends, all this. I don't want to raise. I'm good. Before the boss walked in, he walked in. Yo, Mikael, you're getting a raise. We're promoting you. All right. More work too, more taxes, everything, but whatever. No, so I'm saying it doesn't affect my state of mind spiritually before the blessing. Where was I at spiritually? Was I qana'a or just pleased? And I think both of them are beautiful qualities to have. I think all of us, it's always a zero sum. It doesn't have to be zero sum. Like I think rida'a is a beautiful, radiyallahu an waradu'an. It's a beautiful quality. He's just trying to distinguish between the two where the Prophet could have had more. Guys, now let's make it practical. The Prophet could have had more, but he didn't want more. Lima. He could have got more. He literally said, oh, let me be hungry one day. Let me eat one day. He didn't want more. That's his level. We don't got to do that. You don't have to be that way. But that was his level. He didn't want more. How is that different from being complacent? Rada'a is more like complacent. Rada'a, being pleased, that is complacent. If more comes or less comes, I'm, I'm fine with it, whatever. I'm fine with whatever comes. So yes, that is complacent. I am, but complacent has such a negative thing because it stops us from striving and all of that. It could be. I think some people are lazy, yes. No, seriously, Lemma, like some people are lazy. They don't, they're not high achievers and they could mask that lack of uh, drive with a spiritual term, right? But we know that Prophet was a go-getter. He, he, he kept striving, kept going. Um, I, I hope this concept doesn't encourage us to not want more. Yeah. It would come down to the intention of why you're. Yeah, radhi is whatever. We need to be radhi or pleased with whatever comes. Like that's a bottom line for everyone, no? Like less or more be happy. But qana'a for me is like I can't take more. Like for me, I just use the ammu example with the food. I can't take more. I don't want more. Like my bandwidth doesn't have, I don't, that's it. That's, it. that's enough for me. Mental real estate or like, like my lifestyle. You know how some people are very happy where they're at? It's not complacent, but this is a sweet spot for me. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think why does the world keep telling us we got to keep climbing the ladder? Is there a point I can stay where I'm at on the ladder? Is there any point in life I can stay where I'm at on the ladder? No? I, I, see, that's what I'm trying to bring here. I'm trying to bring this up here. Is there any point where I can stay stagnant on the ladder? I think I want that place to be because then I could just read a book, read a novel, swing on my swing at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do we have to just keep on, just keep on, keep on? Yeah. Yes, sister in the back. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, 100%. That is the conundrum of the believer. That is the crazy part about the believer that Besides being pleased, the prophet taught us, even if it's the day of judgment, plant a tree. Keep on struggling. I, it seems counter, counter, like, why would I? But the sunnah of the prophet is to keep trying. Even though he was pleased with whatever outcome, battle of Badr, battle of Badr. He's making dua for victory. Would he be pleased if we lost? If that's the final outcome afterward, this is how I normally explain it to people. Ridha for me many times is for me to handle what's already happened and out of my control. But while I'm going after it, I'm going after it. That's how like, I kind of mentally compartmentalize those things. Because his sunnah is to keep striving no matter what. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, the question is, where does yaqeen fit into everything? Um, he says here that yaqeen is kind of like the found, foundation of all of the qualities. So look at this. Based on your yaqeen in Allah, yaqeen, what does yaqeen mean? Certainty. certainty. Based on your certainty in Allah, that determines how strong your sabr will be, shukr will be, all of those other qualities, patience, gratitude, every other quality. The strength of that all comes down to how firm you believe la ilaha illallah. Like, I know this the way I know it's 100 degrees outside, right? Like, I know it. That is going to determine the strength of those other qualities in life. And I think we should stop here. It's been a bit long. <laughs> Unless there's other questions. All right. Beautiful lessons today. May Allah accept from us, guys. Let's make a short dua, please, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfir wa atubu ilayk. Ya Allah, we ask you to guide our hearts, Ya Allah. We ask you to make us content and pleased with whatever you have given us, Ya Allah. We ask you to allow us to follow the sunnah of your Rasul and keep striving for excellence in life, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you not to make the world our biggest concern, but to make our biggest concern our connection with you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us gentleness in our interactions with the people that we love, Ya Allah. We ask you to give us understanding, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us the ability to know our own faults, Ya Allah, and better ourselves every single day, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to make every day that we are alive a day that we are getting closer to you, a day that we increase in goodness, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, let none of our days, Ya Allah, be days that we move away from you, Ya Arhamur Ya Allah, all of us in this room are sinners, Ya Allah. We've committed so many sins, Ya Allah, and disobeyed you so many times, Ya Allah. But Ya Allah, we turn to you, we come back to you, Ya Allah. Because there's no other door to turn to, Ya Allah. Whatever we have learned here today, Ya Allah, make it a reality in our lives, Ya Allah. Make it something we can truly act upon, Ya Allah. Make it a proof for us on the Day of Judgment and not a proof against us. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.